come, Holy Spirit, come by the most powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, your well-beloved spouse. Our second reading this Sunday, we have this beautiful passage from St. Paul, this hymn of praise and homage to Jesus Christ, our Lord, who St. Paul says is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Through him all things came into being, and for him all things came into being. He is before all things and holds them together. In him all the fullness was pleased to dwell. You may have heard me said it before that our entire faith, everything that we believe, rests upon the foundation of our faith that Jesus Christ is truly God. He is true God and true man, that he is the only begotten eternal Son of God. Our entire faith rests upon that truth. If that's true, then everything else that we believe follows. If that's false, then everything else we believe is false. It is the foundation, the rock of our faith. It's what makes our faith what it is, the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And St. Paul says that he is the image of, of the invisible God. And this points to, kind of helps us have an image, uh, an analogy, something to enable us to better understand, right, this mystery that God is one God, but that he is three divine persons, that Jesus is the Son of the Eternal Father. We can kind of understand this on a natural level, right? This applies for, for both sexes, male and female. Right? A child is of the same nature as his parents, his or her parents. Right? Human beings give birth to human beings. Right? There's, a, there's a likeness of nature. In fact, there's an equality of nature. Right? Your children or your parents, whichever way you want to go, are equally human. Well, we can apply that to the Trinity to help us understand that the Son is of the same nature as the Father. That He is the image or the reflection of all that the Father is. He possesses the same characteristics, the same nature, which means that He possesses the fullness of the divinity. The fullness of the divine nature. He is equal in all things to his Father. And that's why we profess in the Creed that he is God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made consubstantial with the Father, of the same substance, of the same nature as the Father. That our Lord Jesus Christ is truly God. Then St. Paul goes on to say that something that has incredible implications for us. All of it does, but I think this in particular. He is the head of the body, the church. Perhaps you've heard this kind of image used. It's one of the ways in which we can understand the mystery of the church is that we are the mystical body of Christ. 
that we have been grafted or incorporated into Jesus, that we are members of his mystical body, and that he is our head. And there's a lot of implications for that, but one of them speaks to how intimately united we are with Jesus Christ, that we are in a sense one with him, that he is always with us and that we are always with him. You cannot separate the head from the body. Where the head is, there is the body. Where the body is, there is the head. We are never alone. Never. Christ is always with us because we are united to him as members of his body. And one of the things that this truth can give us is great confidence and great hope. Because I think we all know that very often life can be incredibly difficult and challenging, right? So many burdens that we have to carry, so many crosses that we have to suffer, right? Obstacles, difficulties, challenges. And it's so easy for those things to feel overwhelming. It can very easily at times in life, it seems like, God, you're asking too much. Well, it very well may be too much for us. But it's not too much for Jesus. There's nothing that is too much for Jesus. And so when God gives us those challenges, those even trials or crosses, right? If we wish to be his disciple, we must take up our cross. When we encounter those obstacles, we're not meant to handle them on our own. We're not meant to carry the cross by ourselves, but always with our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our head. And because we are so intimately connected with him, we can always tap into, draw upon his strength, his grace, his ability to handle anything and everything. And it's so important that we remember this and that we call upon him in all of our needs every day, every moment, to realize that He is with us and that He can handle anything that comes our way. And to allow this truth to give us confidence and to give us hope. One of the things that He tells us to do in our Gospel today, right? He instructs us in how we are called to live the Christian life so that we can remain faithful to Him and receive all the grace that he wishes to bestow upon us. He gives us in the gospel today, as well as many other places, these two great commandments. To love God above all things, to love our neighbor as ourself. And then he gives us this parable to illustrate how we are called to love our neighbor as ourself. Undeniably, one of the most challenging calls of a Christian Right? Because we can all, I think, at times find ourselves in the place of this scholar of the law. Right? Who at first was, okay, yeah, Jesus, I can, get, I can get behind that. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. But who's really my neighbor? Right? Can I kind of exclude some people from that commandment? Who's really my neighbor? Right? It's very easy for us to, to fall into that approach. Surely Jesus doesn't mean love all of my neighbors as myself. 
And so Jesus gives us this parable, right? The parable of the Good Samaritan. Samaritan to illustrate right, how we are called to love our neighbor. And I think it can be helpful to kind of compare, very briefly, the priest and the Levite versus the Good Samaritan. Because there's a trap that we can very easily fall into that the priest and the Levite fell into. Why did they pass the victim by? Why did they just keep going? I'm sure, you know, theoretically, they had a lot of reasons why they felt justified in what they were doing. But I think it can boil down to one. They didn't think the victim was worthy. They didn't think that he was deserving of their time, of their attention, of the effort, right, to go out of their way. They were on a journey. They had things to do. And they didn't think this victim was worthy or deserving of their compassion and their love. And I think we can so easily fall into that ourselves. So easily fall into this attitude that such and such a person is not worthy. Not worthy of my time, not worthy of my patience, not worthy of my forgiveness or my compassion, not worthy of my love. And we come up with all these reasons for justifying thinking that, right? Whether that's their appearance, their appearance, or the inconvenience, or their social status, or perhaps it's what they've done to us in the past, or what they've done to somebody that we care about. Perhaps it's because we know what type of person they are. But it all boils down to us falling into this lie that they're not worthy, they're not deserving. The Good Samaritan, on the other hand, the one who Jesus holds up for us to imitate, telling us to go and do likewise, recognized a fundamental truth. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. I think the Good Samaritan saw in the victim himself. And he treated the victim in the way that he would want to be treated. Right? This is the golden rule. To do unto others as we would have them do unto us. To see in our neighbor ourselves. And to treat them in the way that we want to be treated. Because I think all of us, if we were in that situation would want to be helped and treated with compassion and mercy. And this is how we are called to love everyone without exclusion. And I think we know how difficult this can be. And that's why we need to call upon, remind ourselves that we are members of the body of Christ, that we are connected with our head, and that as difficult as it is for us to love our neighbor, not difficult for Jesus. And he wants to help us. He wants to give us the grace that we need to love our neighbor in the way that he does, to love ourselves in our neighbor as our fellow human being, to love Jesus in our neighbor. Perhaps you remember Jesus gives a very famous parable of the last judgment, Matthew chapter 25. And he says, whatever you did for the least of my brethren, 
you did for me. Whatever you didn't do for the least of my brethren, you didn't do for me. Because Jesus is in our neighbor. And we're called to love them as we would love him. So let's call upon our head. Let's ask him to purify our minds and our hearts so that we can love our neighbor in the way that he's calling us to. So that we can love God above all things. And in so doing, we will grow in the likeness to our head. We will become more and more like Christ. And one day at the end of our lives, we will come to live where he is. We will come to be where our head has gone before us, the glorious kingdom of heaven.